Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. So today, Greg, we are going to talk about understanding your spouse's feelings (laughs) and sharing romance with them. You know, women, honestly, most women want to experience romance with their husbands, and many husbands want to be romantic. And so I'm excited to figure it out together. I always try to be romantic. It doesn't always land. I remember one time that I was driving by a garage sale and just slammed on my brakes because I saw the holy grail of romantic gestures. Right there in all of its glory, a Miss Pac-Man machine. And I knew in that moment that that Miss Pac-Man machine, as I gave it to you, would create truly the most romantic memory that you would hold on to for 50, 60, 70 years of marriage Mm, with me. Now, let me get some context. So Mm -hmm. why I thought this was such a great idea uh-huh. Was because when when I was in my doctoral program at at, at Biola University in Southern California, uh, we had no money. And right. remember, there was a couple who'd mm-hmm. come over on a regular basis, and they would watch our only child, our oldest daughter Taylor, at the mm-hmm. time. And remember, they would let us go out on a date, and so we yes. would kind of go nearby. We seemed to gravitate towards <laughs> this one hamburger restaurant, and we'd sit there, we'd have a burger, and then I would just collect quarters throughout the couple weeks, you know, between dates, because they had them as Pac-Man machine. So we just got in this rhythm. We'd eat a fun burger, great burger. We would, you know, connect and kind of update and talk, and then we would play Miss Pac-Man. And it turned out, I thought, to be one of the best kind of date nights. I'm just stuck season. on. We were in Southern California near the beach and we were going know, to a hamburger idiots. restaurant because of a Miss Pac-Man machine, <laughs> not going to like some restaurant overlooking the ocean or we had no something money. like that. That's true. But, but other, right. I'm sure there were many other options. <laughs> we could have been walking along the beach. Right. Excellent point. But that yes. was like a 40 minute, 60 minute drive. Uh-huh. So anyway, so that was my big memory. And for that, you know, years long that we did that, when I drove by the garage shell, saw them as Pac-Man, I just figured mm-hmm. to get that for you would conjure all these... Delightful feelings. I just figured if I got the Ms. Pac-Man machine, it would just create all these fond memories, and we'd have this connection. We could play that anytime we wanted, and it'd become our date night. Hmm. Well, you you left out one minor detail, (laughs) that we lived in a very small house. So you show up with the Ms. Pac-Man machine that's huge, may I add. Yes, it's huge. And you bring it, you're, you're like, come outside and see what I got. And I'm like, okay, great. Is that going to go right in the middle of our living room? Because there is no other place for it. (laughs) Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily No, you made me put it in the garage, which didn't feel like a very romantic place. But it worked. It did. And we did have fun. It definitely worked. We We did did have fun with it. I tried several years ago to replace that machine. But you love the game Galaga. Right. So I was going to get a Miss Pac-Man Galaga game. I was like, that's both of our favorites. And so I truly. gave it to you for Christmas. I actually gave it to you early because I couldn't wait. I was so excited. And then we realized 
<laughs> that in fact it wasn't Galaga, it was no. Galaxia. <laughs> and I don't know what that is exactly, but it wasn't the right thing, no. and I couldn't return it. It was a great try. Though. It was a great try. Well, we still do play Miss Pac-Man. Yes. So, and by doing that, right, it just becomes this romantic encounter between sure. us. Absolutely. <laughs> well, today we've got some great segments. You know, later on, we're going to give some tips to husbands listening about really how they can practically give their wives romance hmm. beyond the Ms. Pac-Man machine. Okay. Right? I can't wait to hear. You know, we're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how do I give my wife the intimacy that she needs? Mm. So, Erin, you're going to have to really weigh into that yes, one. Yes, intriguing. But first, I had a great conversation with Dr. Mike Bechtel about how to help your husband share his feelings and experiencing romance with him. He's an author and speaker with great thoughts to share. So let's listen to the conversation I had with Dr. Bechtel. One of the biggest complaints women have is that men won't share their feelings. And I have become very creative with this because so often Greg will get home and he'll tell me something happened. I'll go, well, how do you feel about it? And he'll be like, you know, it's good. Like, it's it's fine. And I've gotten good at saying, well, fine means feelings inside not expressed. So there's got to be more in there. And so as a therapist, I keep a feelings wheel nearby. And, you know, here, do you want to select three feeling words about how you felt today? And for me, it's very natural. Like, I want to talk about my feelings. He doesn't. So what advice do you give to us as wives and as women um, to really help facilitate the sharing of feelings? Because I know that men typically aren't going to lead with that. I think one is recognizing that they do have feelings. They're probably not going to express them in the same way. They aren't as driven by that. If okay. you want to know what's really going on, instead of saying, what are you feeling? Say, what are you thinking? Oh, that's good. Because men tend to process and they're coming up with solutions. They're kind of wired that way, which is why a lot of times a woman will go to them and say, here's something I'm going through. And they'll say, well, here's what you should do. It's totally. Like, no, no, yes. I, no, I don't want you to solve it. I want you to just listen and and hear me. And they're going, well, then why, why are we talking <laughs> why, about this? Yeah, what's because the point? <laughs> if there's no solution. And so since that's the way it is, they have thoughts about things. And usually the feeling isn't the biggest driver, but their thoughts are. And so... If you talk about, if you ask, what are you thinking, uh, or what do you think about this? What tell me, tell me oh. what you're thinking. Uh -huh. They will give you their feelings. Interesting. Now it's going to sound a little different, but listen to what they say about what they're thinking. Look for the feelings that are in there. They may gotcha. not use the the right words, but they're not going to say, "Oh, I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm whatever." It's like, you know, they'll tell you what what's going on in their head, and then you're going to be able to see it in there. Okay. Okay. So go after the emotion words that you hear based on what they're thinking. Yeah, I would I would use a thinking wheel. Okay. Oh, that's good. Greg would appreciate that because <laughs> believe me, he's not like cheering up, you know, screaming, yay, yay, the feelings wheel when he comes home. Um, my son <laughs> either. So, but it's something that I keep very handy in my, my counseling office. And I love that, you know, just... What are you thinking? And listen for those feeling words and, and even praise. 
when you hear those feelings words and, you know, affirm, gosh, I hear you saying you're feeling this. And he might not even recognize it because yeah. culturally we so condition young men and young boys to not have feelings, mm -hmm. to, to keep them, you know, under wraps. And even our son, who's now 21, as a young boy, I mean, we were very intentional about telling him it's okay to feel and, you know, talk about your feelings. And but yet he still got the message. And I can remember we were at a funeral and he saw Greg crying and he's like, why are you crying? You know, what are you doing? And, you know, later on, just a process with him that it is okay for you to have feelings in our house. But yeah. granted, then they go off to school and they have friends and they're teased or, you know, for being the feeling guy. And so I, I love that, that often they're conditioned to really go to their mind and to logic and to start there. And I, you said something else, too, that, you know, really differentiating between what you're looking for as a, as a wife. You know, I want you to help me problem solve or I want you just to listen and just to care about what I'm saying. And that is a huge piece that I've learned to do over the 30 years that I've been married. And so it sounds like you're saying, yes, do that, that that's helpful. Yeah, I think it's beneficial for for the husband to know which one it is. Okay. My wife has gotten to the point where she says, she said, can I just tell you what's going on? Uh -huh. I, don't, I don't, don't need a solution, but can you just give me a chance to talk through? Because I know if I can talk through it, I'll, I'll be able to come up with it. I'll get my arms around it better. Yeah. And yeah. she has also learned to say, I'll stop in 10 minutes. <laughs> That's good. I mean, it's a little thing, but yeah. for, for a guy, it's like, I can do this. Yes. But if it keeps going on and on and on, it's like, will this ever end? Because I have a limited space <laughs> to be able to process yes. that much information. But yes, I can. I'm 100% with her for 10 minutes, maybe even 15. Okay. But she has learned to just say, can I have 10 minutes? And I and it'll be, ten, it'll be 10 minutes. And I love that, you know, and the asking, like, do you have 10 minutes to give me? But also giving a, a defined time frame because then you're not going to um, lose your, your listener amidst that because they know like the goal is 10 minutes yeah. and I can be successful at that because I know so often men want to be successful and you talked about wanting to be the hero to mm -hmm. their wife. And so 10 minutes, I can do that. That is success in this because your spouse is helping you identify that. Oh, and then the timing as well. Make sure if it's during a football game yeah, on that, TV, mm -mm. you can still do it. But if it's that important, say, is there any way you could pause this for seven minutes? Yeah. I would I'd pick a number like that. Yeah. There's something that's that I, I just need to process for seven minutes. And if you'll do that, I'll sit down and watch the rest of the game with you. Oh, that's a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> Greg would love that. Because so often, I think we assume that our spouse knows what we're looking for. And we end up missing each other because one person is thinking we're solving a problem. The other person is thinking we're just emoting and caring. And I, I always think of there was one time I was on a road trip with my kids. And I, my GPS took me to the middle of nowhere, and I called Greg, and I said, my word, I don't know where I'm at. Can you get on Google Maps and help me figure this out? And he said he loved that because he knew it was, I needed help. I needed him to help me solve this problem. It, you know, Instead, he could have said, 
oh, how do you feel about being in the middle of nowhere with the kids? You know, and that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted him to help me solve the problem. And he's always like, when he hears me say, can you help me fix this or solve this? He says it's like he can just salivate because he's so excited Mm -hmm. because he knows he can be successful at that. It's what he's wired for. Yes. And I, I, I love that. I know as a as a wife and as a woman that I long for romance. And I know that that is not always the thing that my husband or men in general are thinking about. Because again, it's so um, diverse of what does that mean and what does she want and all of that. What do you say? How have you managed and what have you noticed around your wife longing for romance and your ability to give her what she wants? I think a big part of it is defining with each other what romance can look like. Because when I look at being romantic. I look at what I see on TV. I know what my wife sees on TV. And it's like, there is no way I can do what those guys do. I remember a movie one time where it's Richard Gere and he and his wife are not getting along and, and they're in a department store, I think it is. And he comes up the escalator. He's in a tux and he's holding uh, a rose and he floats up the escalator. Ah. We're at the, we're at the theater and I heard my wife sigh. Ah. And I thought, there is no way I could do that. I felt like such a schmuck because it's like, (laughs) I can't do that, but I want to be romantic. Mm -hmm. And I think every guy deeply wants to be romantic, but I can't live up to that. It's a manufactured image. So what does romance look like? Well, I can't give an answer to that because it's what's romantic in that relationship. So it becomes a conversation piece where the husband... Can, and the wife can just recognize he wants to be romantic. He really does. But what what could fit his temperament, his personality mm-hmm. that just catches her um, her attention in a way that feels romantic to her? And then it's going to be synergy gotcha. to get him there. Gotcha. And so in essence, what you're saying is l- communicate about it. Have a conversation yeah. about this is what romance looks like for me and what I desire romantically. And also, you know, what is it for him? Like, what does he long for? What does it look like for him? Because I think you're so right. Our, you know, our culture, TV, movies, just send so many messages of, you know, is it realistic? And so thus it puts these ideas in our mind and these hopes and dreams. And, but we got to talk about it. We got to come up with something that feels in feels good to both of us and also works for both of us. When we when we were first married, we had a tiny, tiny little house that we lived in. And every time she would walk by, I was doing my writing and stuff at the kitchen table. And it was such a tiny place. Whenever she would walk by me, she would always just kind of touch me on the shoulders. Mm. And I remember, that's one of my love languages is touch. And I remember when she did that, it's like everything inside of me felt like that was so romantic. And finally mm-hmm. I told her, and I said... Diane, I just need you to know that when you walk by me like that, when I'm writing, you touch me in the shoulders. I just feel loved and I feel appreciated. I feel warm. She looked at me and she goes, you're in the way. (laughs) Because the place was so small, she couldn't get past unless she was kind of hanging on. I thought she was being romantic. I love that. And, and, but it was a conversation. Sorry. That's where we began understanding what does romance look like? But, um, so to have that kind of a conversation, that kind of experience. Well, that was a great interview with Mike. And Aaron, 
the one comment that stood out to me was when you said the biggest complaint that women have is that men won't share their feelings. Mm. So I thought, let's explore that a little Mm bit more. Why is that? Why is it so hard for men Uh to share their feelings in one of the things that that I'll never forget, and and I'm saying this is one of the big reasons why it's so hard for us to share our feelings. So I was doing a, a marriage talk. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a marriage event with a good friend of mine, Dr. Sean Stover. So two guys doing a marriage seminar mm-hmm. at at Fort Campbell. For the Army Special Forces. So there's a green brace. I'm sure they were feeling a lot of emotion. Yeah. So we're being introduced. And this is probably the worst introduction to speak I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so the, the commander's. Had some bad ones. Yeah. The commander stands up and he starts it by trying to just probably get the energy going. He's like, it's a great day for an airstrike. And so everybody hoops and hollers. And so Sean. Dr. Stover and myself, so we're just sitting there kind of looking at each other like, oh, boy. And so the commander then goes on to say, now, listen, I'm about to bring up these these two psychologists. And so, I, I, hey, we're going to talk about marriage. I'm sure they're going to talk about feelings. And, guys, I don't want you getting soft on me. And it starts to go on and on about, now, I, I need you battle ready and, and literally – I'm looking at, at my co-presenter, I'm looking at Sean, and our eyes are really wide, and we're thinking, what have we gotten ourselves into, and how do uh-huh. we, like, transition right. from this? You know, you, they're going to be talking about emotions, and, you know, you guys know, we don't, you know, emotions can get you killed out on the battlefield. I mean, that kind right. of right. description, and, and the only thing in that moment that I could think of was, thank you, God that I didn't have to be the one to start. That was Sean. <laughs> so he had to be the that's one hilarious. to stand well, up and, and try to... Well, and that's just one example of many yeah. of why sometimes it's harder for men to share feelings because there are all these societal messages that are sent, don't feel, don't feel. Yeah, real, real men, men don't cry. Right. And then, you know, you think about if your spouse is a first responder or military that, you know, they're trained to actually, you know, shut that down because there's not a lot of room for it. So that works well, you know, with whatever they're pursuing as a career, but then come home and your wife wants to connect with you emotionally, heart to heart. That's hard. Yeah, it it really can be. And I know for a lot of men, it's hard beyond sort of the messages about feelings you know, it was even the fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. So if I do share how I'm feeling, that's going to get dismissed or maybe weaponized, used against me, you know, later on. I know for me, I think the hardest thing looking back on those early years of our marriage mm-hmm. was that I, I really didn't have uh, words to describe my emotions. So there was kind of a lack of emotional literacy. Mm-hmm. That, like if you would say, you know, how are you doing? Oh, fine. Or I mm-hmm. had sort of the add emotions. Oh, you know, how are you doing? Well, I'm glad. I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm bad. Rad. Whatever. <laughs> you know, it. Yeah. that was really the extent. Right. And it was something that I really had to learn. Yes. In terms of how, what, what are those words and how can I use words to describe how I'm feeling? Yeah. And for women, often we know we're feeling something, but we don't always know the name of it. And so sometimes we feel something, but we don't take time to step back and go, okay, what's going on inside? And so we might react emotionally or um, do something in the midst of the emotion. So it's, it's both. 
male and female struggle sometimes, we access that information a little bit easier, I believe, by nature. And of course, that's stereotypical, so it's not always true. But the good news is that you can learn how to do this. And as a wife, I have the opportunity to help, to assist. And, you know, really giving you grace that this is different for you because you have fought through the societal norms. And how can I come alongside of you and encourage that? I was sitting with a couple a couple weeks ago, and the the man is a first responder, and he does not share with his wife those deeper level emotions. And so we started talking about how often do you actually share that deeper level stuff? And they're like, you know, maybe occasionally. Yeah. We And you think about, it, we do that a lot when we're dating and engaged, but then somehow, some way we get busy. Maybe it doesn't feel safe. And so I had him turn and tell his wife something from the deeper depths of his heart, something about saying, I want to be connected to you. I want to be accepted by you. And she just kind of stared at him and really didn't know how to respond because she said for so long, they haven't done that, that she's kind of put a wall up to protect because her heart longs for that. Yeah. So it's just recognizing this is not easy, no. but it can be learned. Yeah. And, and I would say for me, the place that I had to start was really around gaining an emotional vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, I, I, at some point I got online, downloaded a feelings wheel or a list uh-huh. of emotions. And throughout the day, I would just pause for a moment, look mm-hmm. at the list and think, how am I feeling right now? You know, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling hungry. I'm, you yeah. know, whatever. I'm feeling sexy. That's, you know, Your it was on the one. list. Exactly. Well, as well as I would say, you know, do body check-ins. Yeah. So what am I feeling inside my body right now? And what does that mean? What am I feeling? Because oftentimes our body is talking to us through, you know, our hearts racing, or we have pressure in our chest, or, you know, something's going on, we want to run and retreat. So just being attuned to your body as well. Yeah. And and the one thing I would say for the wives is just go slow, Mm -hmm. just go slow. Because what what I've realized, like my dad, uh, the late Dr. Gary Smalley, one of the things he used to teach is sexually men are like microwave ovens, so easily turned on. But women sexually are like crockpots. This isn't true for every man or woman. Mm -hmm. But the point was that that a crockpot slow to warm up. And I would say that the exact is true around communication that that I think expressing emotions for most women, being in touch with emotions, they're like those microwave ovens. I mean, you even today, Mm -hmm. you know, called me and instantly get me into this deeper discussion about <laughs> something that had happened. In, 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 and you even said, hey, can I call you back? I'm like, like I, I couldn't get there because I think. Yes, you can call me back now. Yeah. Like a lot of men are like crockpots when it comes to to really dealing with emotions. And I was slower to warm up. So just keep that in mind. Yes, for sure. Well, if you want to learn more about Dr. Bechtel's insights into understanding your spouse's mind, we have his book here at the ministry and that's available for a gift of any amount. It's called, I Wish He Had Come With Instructions, A Woman's Guide to a Man's Brain. It's because of your financial support that we're able to even do this podcast. So please donate and get that book today. Yes, and all the details are in the show notes.
Aaron, as I talk to men, um, often I hear them ask, you know, how do I be more intentional with romance with, mm. with my wife? Mm-hmm. And, and that's a great question. And the place that I always start is to have them think through what, what is actually true romance? Because the temptation is to view romance as a thing, mm-hmm. like, you know, flowers or a card or candy or, you know, some romantic dinner. Hey, that, those things aren't bad. <laughs> or a Ms. Pac-Man <laughs> machine, for example. And they're not bad. But, but I would argue that those things really don't mean true romance. Because I would argue that that true romance mm-hmm. is actually all about being curious, being fascinated by this person. Because you can take any two people who aren't curious, who aren't fascinated in each other, and you can place mm-hmm. them in the most romantic setting. Like, what what would that be? Like, what would be the the world's greatest romantic place that you would love for me to take you like venice okay of course we've never been there so i don't know but i've heard isn't that the place that's romantic let's let's go with somewhere in europe venice uh, uh, france whatever Mm -hmm. so this this gorgeous little restaurant so romantic the views amazing candlelit dinner all that if those two people though aren't really interested in each other sparks aren't going to be flying Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. you take two people who are truly fascinated, truly interested in each other. So curious. You put them in a, you know, parking lot of the grocery store on a cold, dreary night. I'm telling you, sparks will be flying Mm -hmm. because true romance is not about these things. Those things can enhance true romance but they will never create romance. And that's why for guys, I often tell them it's so easy over time to kind of develop this attitude that I know everything there is to know about my wife. Like, yes, it would be easy for me to think, yeah, Aaron and I have been married 31 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had a lot of discussions (laughs) over those years and I'm quite confident I know what she likes or wants prefers in this situation, that's a very dangerous attitude Mm -hmm. to have versus romance is created when I start with one lifetime isn't long enough to get to know you Mm -hmm. as my wife, because you're always changing. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Constantly changing through each season. The woman you married 31 years, almost 32 years ago, is not the same right. person that I am today. Right. And, and I don't ever want to think that I know what you want, feel, any of that. I, instead, if I maintain an attitude of curiosity, mm-hmm. then, then that creates the room in, in my mind to then ask you questions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's an extension, I think, of true romance mm-hmm. is an attitude of curiosity. One lifetime isn't long enough to get to know Aaron. Therefore, I want to keep asking, discovering. I want to earn a, a PhD in you because I'm always going back to you and saying, here's a question. Here's another question. What do you like? How do you feel? What do you want? Seasons change. We change as individuals, which totally. you need today from me might be very different from that same question a week ago. Mm -hmm. And that I think is the the greatest setup for true romance. So so as a man, if I approach you with true curiosity and and really develop a belief that you are so fascinating because Mm -hmm. of how you change and who you are, that keeps me asking 
what's really going on and what do you want and what does romance really look like? And and I think an easy thing then to do to make this practical is we'll put this in the show notes. But we have a list of hundreds and hundreds of questions Mm -hmm. called these conversation starters. We do different segments on our podcast around us just modeling how do we use these conversation starters. And again, what an easy way to take your wife out to a romantic dinner. And while you're there enjoying the view and the candles and the great food, hors d'oeuvres, all of that, Break out these questions. I have them on my cell phone. They're in the notes section of my phone, and you can use them that way. So often people will say, oh, that feels so fabricated. But I always say it works. So try it. And what, what we find is that we will start into a conversation based on one of the questions, and then it begins to flow. And it really, it's just reintegrating what is it like to really talk at that deeper level. Yeah, I was recently listening to a, a speaker on a podcast, and he was encouraging men, um, the next anniversary gift that rolls around, give your wife a rock, like an actual rock. Huh. So he instantly had my attention. I'm thinking, really? I'm trying to envision, okay, I tried to give Aaron a Miss Pac-Man machine, and that didn't go over. I'm not sure how a rock would work. But his point was, he said, take the rock and then create a story around maybe where this rock came from. Remember when we went on that hike up into the mountains of Colorado, and you and I were climbing that 14er, mm-hmm. and we had the best day, and it was so much fun. The views were incredible, and we just helped each other get all the way to the top of this 14,000-foot peak. And this rock I picked up, and I want you to have it because it reminds me of just one of my most fun days mm-hmm. with you. See yeah. how that that, yes. that changed? And so don't tell your wife that, well— Dr. Smalley said that I don't need to get you a card or flowers or take you anywhere romantically because I just need to ask you questions. This is not like the rock Mm -hmm. thing. Okay, use the questions while you do some of these fun romantic activities and watch how that creates such a depth in your romance. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we get to answer your burning questions about marriage. Yes, please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of the show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of the book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance for free. See, and that can be another part of your romantic gift Mm. that you offer your spouse, this Mm signed copy. Yes. And so for free is our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Don. So let's listen to the voicemail that he sent in. Hello. Just uh, my wife is asking for more intimacy out of me and I'm at a loss as to how to give it. You know, you talk about loving yourself. I know Greg talked about being in grad school and uh, gaining weight kind of feel like I'm at that point. So how do I get back out of this uh, rut that I'm in and start giving her the intimacy that she needs? 
Well, that is a great question, Don. I so appreciate you calling in and being vulnerable and leaving that voice message because it sounds to me like you're at a place that you want to try something new. Yeah. And and I always love the analogy and this is, you know, often used, but if you really slow down the word intimacy, so Don, just slow down saying the word intimacy and you have into me see. And, and how that has always been so helpful for me is to remember that true intimacy is when I'm able to see deeply into Aaron, because we all long to be known, we want to be seen, and, and that is such a big part of true intimacy is that, that I'm taking the time to create an environment that really feels safe so, Aaron, that you open up so that I actually can see deeply into you. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that's really what it boils down to is if if I want to create deeper intimacy, so into you see, then I have to really figure out how do I create an environment that, that feels safe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I was asking you, Aaron, what what like what is it that I do that helps you to feel safe or what what does a safe environment look like for you? Mm. Well, I would say one that you are listening and reflecting back what I'm saying and not distracted, not criticizing, um, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Well, how about for you? What creates safety for you? Um, probably when I get your eyes focused on me because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very easy when we're talking, you know, your phone will light up. Someone's texted you or something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you've gotten some notification. Or I'm just distractible. Or you're just distractible. <laughs> and and I know that about you. But w- w- in those moments, I feel very seen, first of all, literally when you're giving mm-hmm. me good eye contact. Um, and then probably just going slow. We talked about this earlier that – you know, for me to really open up and, and be known, to be seen deeply, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, around emotions and things, that's just, that's not like jumping into the deep end of a pool and doing a cannonball mm-hmm. around my heart. Mm-hmm. Like, it just means that we're just, you know, wading in from the shallow end and just mm-hmm. kind of going slow and just mm-hmm. letting me warm up to that sort of conversation. Mm-hmm. That that feels pretty safe to me. But it's remembering that often men and women define intimacy yeah. differently. And in it, I would even say that not necessarily men and women, but people in general, we all define it differently. And so it's recognizing that typically for women, you know, they might long for deeper emotional connection yeah. and deeper emotional sharing. And, you know, maybe for a man, it's um, doing things together and activity. I know oftentimes for men, and this again is very stereotypical. Sometimes for men, it's sex that causes them to feel connected intimately. Yeah, Yeah, some sort of activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sex is great. That would do it versus, I mean, even playing ping pong or Mm -hmm. going for a walk or shooting Mm -hmm. baskets. I mean, all of that feels very intimate for for guys. Pickleball would do it. Absolutely. We did. We played the other day together. Mm -hmm. It was fun. So, Don, I would just encourage you to understand first and foremost that – that intimacy is deeply seen mm-hmm. into someone. 
They want to be known. They want to be seen. To do that, it, it really requires safety. So mm-hmm. ask your wife, you know, what 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 helps you to feel safe with me mm-hmm. when we when we're having an activity together or when we're having you know a conversation. Mm-hmm. How do I make this marriage feel like the safest place on earth? Mm. Well, thanks to Don for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have any questions for us, contact us. And by the way, you can contact us anonymously. Um, just indicate that that's what you'd like. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. A romantic and emotionally connected marriage is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. And we hope you took away some helpful hints, tips um, for getting there. Yeah, like no garage sale Ms. Pac-Man machines. Good, good tip. Yeah. Well, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. We also want to see you grow spiritually both as individuals and as a couple so that you can turn around and invest in other couples to help them have thriving marriages. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.